0: Fantastic. Well done, guys. Appreciate you all. Bro, do you want to do that again? Just flex? <laughs> wow. That was your moment to shine. Your moment to shine. Never miss a moment. So, so good. And I get the joy now just to share for a few moments with you uh, about something that that has been probably been percolating in my heart for, for a long time. Actually, I've shared this a couple of times and it's just something that I'm, I'm feeling, you know, in this, if, if there is such a thing as a post-COVID environment, um, that, that I feel that God is wanting to do. You know, the movie Titanic, when it came out, it grossed more than 1.84 billion dollars. Uh, it was such a huge success. I've got a little picture. Some of you would remember Jack and Rose from, um, I mean, some of you have dreamt of doing this across the, to, to Maclay Island and uh, <laughs> on the barge. Uh, but but here's, what, here's what's interesting. If you're under 30, you need to know that the Titanic was actually a true boat. <laughs> it wasn't a movie. I mean, it was a movie, but it was actually a real story. Jack and Rose weren't, but the Titanic, let's flick that one up there, was a boat that sunk in 1912, and uh, you know, 1,500 people perished on that. And if you know anything about the story of the Titanic, that, that when they hit the iceberg, it was the people on the lower decks, which were the, uh, uh, the poorer people, because that's the only ticket that they could afford, they were the ones that saw the water coming in first. But as the, the boat began to take on water, obviously the water rose to the middle deck and then to the eventually the top deck, which sunk the boat. And there's a metaphor here when it comes to your life and my life that what is happening on the lower decks of our life will over time make its way to the surface. And if COVID has, exp- has exposed anything in Christian circles, it's that what has been lurking, Deep beneath the surface, no matter how much we try and push it down, pack it in, no matter how much gaff tape we wrap around that sucker to try and keep it locked in, eventually it finds its way out to the surface of our life. And so the question this morning is this, if you were to to plot the trajectory of your life, five years, 10 years forward, who is it that you are becoming? based on what you're discovering about yourself now based on maybe what you're you're pushing deep within your soul right now who will you be in 5 years in 10 years based on that if you plot that trajectory is the person we're becoming like more like Christ or is the person we're becoming like more like our career more like the city we live in, more like the church we attend? Or is it actually becoming a person that Jesus wants us to be? Is it the true self? Is it who God has called you to be? Is it the authentic you? There was an author and cartoonist, James Thurber, he said this, All people should strive to learn before they die what they are running from and to and why. Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus is conversing with a multitude of people, and it says this in verse 34, Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. You know what is interesting with, with, um, I suppose, church world today, is that ever since the, the words of Jesus spoken in Mark chapter 8, there have only ever been two categories of people. There were the crowd and there were the disciples. There, there, There were no gray in between. It was the crowd of people or there were the disciples that Jesus spoke to. And yet today and over many, many years, we have coined a third kind of category and we've labeled it Christian. Now, I, Kathy and I pastored in America for a number of years where everyone is a Christian. Everyone. You're a family pet Christian. I mean, everyone. And if you're, part, if you're from the U.S., I mean, it is a um, great nation. Done more for missions around the world than probably any other nation. But us trying to grow a church in a very Christianized city it was difficult, because you'd say to people, hey, yeah, you know what, why don't you come to a church? Oh, yeah, now I go to another church. Oh, which one? Um... I, it's only Easter and Christmas, but it's, you know, the one that's down on the, I mean, there was no sense of, of commitment or the sense of this is more than just a, 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 a moment. This is a lifestyle I live. And so, and what has happened today for a lot of people have been turned off because we've met people who call themselves Christian, but they don't actually reflect what we think Jesus would have liked us to reflect in our life. There are business people here and you've been burnt by a business partner who was a Christian. There are there are ladies here or guys here. You've been burnt by someone who you were dating who was meant to be a Christian. And yet they did things and said things. And yet when Jesus was on the earth in flesh and blood, he spoke to the crowd and he spoke to the disciples. But now we've got this interesting category called Christian. And a lot of us kind of hide in it. And it's kind of like that little area. And when you think through Scripture, the word Christian is only used once or twice in the whole Bible, but the word disciple or follower of Jesus is used almost three hundred times. And the difference is, if you are a sporting fan, just like you're into the NRL, and and, and you know, because we're in Brisbane, let's choose the Broncos. And I know that'll be that'll divide the crowd right here. But just let's choose them. You know. Five years ago, ten years ago, everyone loved them. They were on top of the table or in the top four. They're always champion team, and now they're going through a bad season. The media, the the people who are probably in the crowd, point the finger. People aren't attending the games as much. There's a little bit of a lack of appetite for the club, and everyone's pointing the finger and saying all these things. But they're still are the diehard fans and followers who still commit themselves to every game, still commit themselves to the team that the best is yet to come, still believe that one day that they're going to shine again. And it's a little bit like, like that in our in, in church world is we get these categories of people That when the church is going great, everyone is wanting to be part of it. There's fizz, there's buzz. Everyone wants to sign up and be there. But when it starts going through some tough times, it's amazing how the crowd begins to look for the next fizz, the next buzz, the next dopamine hit that they can get somewhere else. And our faith sometimes has become that. Christianity has become that in Australia in a lot of ways. And post-COVID, I think, has exposed that. That a lot of us live in this little gray area of, well, I'm a Christian, but what does that actually mean? Because Jesus said you're either in the crowd or you're a follower, you're a disciple. And if Jesus is calling us to discipleship, I think that there is a shaking that He has done through COVID in our hearts to really help us to align ourselves with what we really want from life. And you may be here today because you felt that that, that, that grinding, that shaking of God, what is going on? But instead of allowing our life to be deeply formed, we settle just to be shallowly shaped. And we just get enough of Jesus to kind of make us feel great about it, to kind of blend into Christian world. But I believe God is calling us into a deeper relationship and discipleship is the way that Jesus always wanted us to go. You know, Christianity was never meant to produce Christians. It's meant to produce disciples, followers of Jesus. And our goal here at Elevation Redlands is that wherever you go around the world, because you probably will not stay in one community like this your whole life. there'll There'll be... job transfers and different reasons for why you move to another location, another place. But our goal is, is that while you are here under the leadership of Az and Beck, that they help you and the team help you become more like Jesus, not more like a church. We want to know that wherever you move around the world, that you are a blessing to whatever faith community you join, that you're not taking a church culture, you're taking a Jesus culture with you. That's our goal. But for each and every one of us, there's got to come the wrestle. In John chapter 1, verse 35, it's an interesting opening part to the book of John. In verse 35, it says this, The following day, John, now this is John the baptizer. He's the guy, that kind of like hairy guy, leather belt, was dunking people, a bit of a rebel. Uh, uh, he he kind of came as the forerunner for Jesus. The following day, John was standing with two of his disciples. So back in Jesus' day, all rabbis had their own disciples. They all had their own little uh, gangs of, of followers. So John is standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. So basically John's saying, that's the guy I've been telling you about. He's the one, man. He is the bomb. This guy is got it going on. Verse 37. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Now, now, to put a little bit of humanity on this, if you had poured your life into young people or any people, uh, you, you know, if you're in business or, you know, maybe, you know, some sort of career, you, you invested into these people, you spent money, you set them off for personal development, you got them doing their Enneagram test, you got them, you know, uh, 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 learning and upskilling and they've done their study and you've thrown yourself into them. And then one day you're having coffee with them and someone walks by who you know is in the same industry as you, but's doing a better job. And you say to your disciples, see that guy, see that girl right there? They're the, they're the leader of such and such. They're really killing it. And your two that you invested into at that, get up, leave you and start following that person and working for them. I'd be like saying, bro, come back and p- at least pay for the coffee, please. I mean, there's a little bit of, oh, John is points to Jesus and John's disciples at that point just leave John and start following Jesus and watch what Jesus done because this question I think is so important for today when John's two disciples heard this they followed Jesus Jesus looked around and saw them following what do you want he said to them what do you want what do you think following me is going to give you that you couldn't get from John. What do you think it is that you're what, what is the expectation? Because if we don't clarify that right now, it could set both of us up for disappointment. I think it should be week one in any new membership class in church. What do you want? Because if what you want is what you just left, I don't know whether this relationship's gonna work. It should be the first question that anyone asks someone when they're dating or maybe when they've gone through a divorce and want to remarry and re-engage in dating again. What do you want? And Jesus, this question is so polarizing. And when you think of us, here we are almost midway through 2021. And it's the question that the world is asking now. COVID shuts us down and we all start reflecting. And the question that echoes in every soul is, what is it we want? What am I here for? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to rock up to church on a Sunday to sing Christian karaoke and, you know, listen to a a bald guy shout for 30 minutes? What do we want? And this question is buried under, most, under almost every other question. And Jesus asks each and every one of us. Notice he doesn't say to John's disciples, what do you know? So many people know so much. Don't know it, YouTube it. He doesn't ask, what do you believe? He asks, what do you want? And this is the most incisive, piercing question Jesus can ask of us precisely because we are what we want. Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. Our wants reverberate from our heart, the epicenter of the human person. So let me ask you this morning, what is it you want and if we can discover that and if we can look at that with honest eyes and say that's what I want then changing the way we have lived to become that is nothing short of a revolution. But if we don't stop and ask yourself what is it I want from this life of Christianity? What is it I want from being a follower of Jesus? What will happen is we'll get disgruntled we'll probably have unmet expectations we'll point the finger but a lot of times it comes back to because we've never stopped long enough to ask what do I want who am I becoming the good news this morning is that God is committed to our transformation he's not in the business of simply improving our lives he wants to infuse them with his life in the book of Proverbs, the old ancient book of wisdom, in chapter 4, verse 23, King Solomon said this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So above everything else we do, guard this, because out of this, everything happens. So discipleship, according to Scripture, you might say, is a, is a way to purify our heart to curate our hearts. It's to being attentive and intentional about what we love. So what you want is the first and most fundamental question of every disciple because you are what you love. And you know, if this morning we took time to ask you what you want, if, if we only answer from that gray Christian Category. We know what we should say. We should say, "Well, I want world peace." Oh, sorry, that's Miss America. Um, <laughs> I I, I want to love Jesus. I, oh, you know, and 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 you know, we we I think we we mean it. But is it really who we really are? Is it really reflected by the way we live our life? You know, I meet business people that that maybe haven't found prosperity or success in business. And you say, what do you want? And they say, well, I just want to be, you know, I I, want to make wealth and I want to give it to the kingdom of God and that's what I want. And yet I've seen this so many times that suddenly they do hit that jackpot and they start making wealth. But instead of investing into the kingdom of God, they upgrade their lifestyle and suddenly from where they were to where they are is so much better, but they're still under the pump and still living day to day under credit and under pressure. And you go, well, you know, when, when I get more blessed and then I'm gonna become a kingdom investor and that, that's, that's, you know, in the next couple of years and then if, if they're fortunate enough, they get to that point, but they just upgrade their lifestyle again. They never actually get to the point of being a person who brings great wealth into the kingdom of God. Why? because their heart doesn't really line up with what they say they want. There's a gap, there's a discrepancy. And through my experience coming through COVID and out and dealing with multiple, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, pastors all over our nation, I'm seeing this repeated over and over and over. What we say we want is not really what we want. Which is why if you're a young girl or a young guy here, you say, well, I want Jesus. And you're at youth, you're worshipping Jesus. And you know, your hand's raised. But one night you're worshipping Jesus and there's a young stud in front of you or a young attractive young lady on the other side. And he happens to put his, his muscle shirt on that night. He lifts his arms in front of you, his biceps. If I had some, you'd see them. And you're going, oh, God be praised. (laughs) You start getting to know one another. You still want Jesus. And I've seen this happen so many times. And over time, you get together and, you know, you move from the front row to the back row. Then you're inconsistent. Then you're not seen anymore because what you said you want, you didn't really want. And I... Deep in my heart, believe that over this last 18 months, God is getting at the core of every single one of us and asking the question, what do you want? Because you say this, but you do that. Are you confident that what you think you love aligns with your innermost longings? You are what you love because you live toward what you want. And the only way to tell whether what you want is really coming from the core of who you are is by what you do in your daily habits. You know, since COVID, the, the upsell of books on habits and disciplines in the Christian world have gone absolutely berserk because people have realised that when the world goes into chaos, there are certain things that keep us functioning and they're habits. So you say you want this, but the habits in your life, the daily practices that you do actually reveal who you are. And for so many of us, there's this gap. And God right now is in the business of closing the gap. He's not doing it in a cruel way. He's not doing it in a harsh way. He's doing it as a loving Father to cover us. But He wants the gap to close so that what we want lines up with who we are on the inside. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, Jesus said this Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. And Jesus wasn't saying, Don't have stuff. He wasn't saying that. Thank God for stuff. But our problem is we have so much stuff, we've got to hire storage sheds for our stuff. So Jesus wasn't against stuff. He just didn't want stuff to get us. He didn't want us under the pressure of having all this excess in our life, cluttering our life. And then He goes on and says this profound statement, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, one of the great ways, and you guys have got legacy starting next week. Can I encourage you in this? Because COVID has caused a lot of selfishness in the church. People kind of living in this fear bubble of, of hoarding, protecting. You want to pop that bubble, learn to be generous. Because this is what I've discovered. Because we say, yeah, no, 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 I I, to I want to be generous. But our life doesn't live that way. So there's a gap. And God's into closing gaps. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's not just talking about money, that's talking about your gift, your time, your energy, your habits, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. That's the true you. Philosopher and 21st century cultural architect, Winnie the Pooh, said this. He said this. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Think about that. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in our heart. So let me ask you this morning, as we come to a close, what do you want? Wouldn't it be great for Elevation Redlands in this next season for God to start closing the gap? That we live true to who we are. That our values are aligned. Our desires are aligned. Our hearts are aligned no longer living with this with this management of trying to to say I want this but actually living over here and in this gap because you know what when we have a gap all we do is we cover it with secrets we hide and we're embarrassed and we you know trying to manage everything God's wanting to close the gap you know last year and I've shared this when I was here uh, um, announcing me at Isaac I had a burnout last year and it was probably the most humbling season in my life to sit on a lounge with my wife, weeping like a, a little uh, baby boy saying that I just feel so unhappy, I feel so sad. And to then have to engage a counselor and, and and take time out and you know go through basically a whole rebuilding, which is still happening today, process in my own heart. But this is what I know in looking back God wasn't trying to harm me. He wasn't trying to hurt me. You know what God was trying to do? As a dad that loved me so much, he was trying to close the gap. He said, Ross, you're you're saying you want that, but you're living like this. Let's close that gap. And it can be painful. It can be painful in a marriage. It can be painful in your singleness to get God to close the gap. But let me tell you something. As you start coming out of the other side, it is so freeing not to have to project another image to people, but to be true to your values. So in the words of Jesus, what do you want? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this place, Lord, what you're yet to do. But I know, Father, that you're calling people not into a deeper commitment to the church, but a deeper commitment to Jesus. Lord, You want Elevation Redlands to be a community of disciples, followers, apprentices of Jesus, not just people who attend a church. So Father, there's a deeper calling. There's a a yearning that people would step into this relationship with you. Too many of us live off the surface rain without our roots ever going deep into the soil. But God, I feel the challenge in this place today because the the work that you want to do through this community of believers needs to have its foundation strong. God, you, you desire a community of faith to, to break the boundaries, to push back the principalities and powers that, that hold people captive over this whole region. But Father, to be that community, we've got to have our roots deep in You. So Lord, I thank You to call upon this place. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.